it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. What a week it already is. Finally, we get a debt ceiling meeting. Not much emerges. Then we find out about the evaporation of Title 42. We see the verdict come in on Donald Trump's civil trial uh, beats rape but not assault. Uh, it's going to cost him $5 million, but he'll appeal uh, as we move forward. Now we have a major press conference starting in a matter of moments with James Comer coming down with his oversight committee on what he has found with the Biden family business and what President Biden might have been up to. With me right now to break it down, a guy with a rich legal background, political background, and a great sports background. I'm going to tap into all of it. Governor Chris Christie, welcome back. Brian, happy to be back, my friend. Right. I know. We're not going to talk Mets. I want to keep you in a good mood. They lost 7-6 to the Reds, if you don't mind. to the end. So uh, we we have uh, big promises by James Comer. He said, I'm going to have a press conference, and it's going to change everything the way the Bidens are looked at. I want you to hear a little of the tease of which he's going to reveal in a matter of moments. Cut 10. We're going to see whether or not tomorrow, Jesse, uh, Joe Biden was telling the truth when he said that his family never received any money from China. Uh, We're going to see tomorrow whether or not Joe Biden knew about uh, his family's business dealings, which we know that he said several times that he didn't. Uh, So I think tomorrow is going to be judgment day for the Biden administration, the Biden White House. And I'm anxious to see how the mainstream media covers it. And he just was on Fox and Friends with us. And he said that they got bank records. They're going to point right to the family business and right to the president. What's at stake here, Governor? Well, it's enormous amount at stake, Brian, because it's the president's credibility, which is on shaky ground to begin with, because he lied during the campaign um, about what he was going to do if he became president, led led the country astray. Instead, he's he has you know governed like a complete lefty. Um, he has run up debt. He has embarrassed uh, our country around the world, and so. You know, today could be an increasingly even worse day for Joe Biden. And look, I don't have any doubt, and I think anybody who's watched him closely knows, that his family has lived off him um, for decades, Um, whether it's his brother Jim or his son Hunter. um, They've lived off him for uh, for decades. And I think we're going to probably see a lot of things that will make the American people very angry. But what is legal and what is not? For example, live off what? His speaking fees? That's allowed. But what about what does he promise to do in terms of giving his family these these companies, uh, giving them access? Well, that's, that's the real question, right? And, and, and he's made it, though, even easier because he said he knew nothing about it. And to the extent that we show that, in fact, he had to have known about it, that he did know about it, that's going to really hurt his um, image with the American people. Because, you know, not only are you going to be seen as somebody who is using your public office to allow you and your family to profit, but you're also going to be seen as someone who's willing to uh, deceive the American people in order to do it. Yeah. I Just real quick, the press conference is going to start. We're not going to dip into it. We'll bring back anything that's uh, relevant. But Comer, Congress, uh, 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 Congressman Armstrong, Congressman Biggs, uh, Byron Donalds, Jim Jordan, Nancy Mace are out there. 
So yesterday, Donald Trump had a verdict he didn't like, I'm sure. He did, was not convicted civilly of rape, but he's forced to pay $5 million and is liable for sexual abuse and defamation uh, against, uh, the, against his accuser. So he doesn't have to pay that. He's going to yet. He's going to appeal it. Last time when he was indicted, I, I watched you. You came on. You said, listen, getting indicted is never a good thing, but his numbers surged. What does this do for the Donald Trump candidacy? I just think it adds more weight to it, Brian. And, and, and look, you know, his response yesterday to me was ridiculous, that he didn't even know the woman. I mean, you know, how many coincidences are we going to have here with Donald Trump, Brian? I mean, he must be the unluckiest SOB in the world. He just has, you know, random people he's never met before who are able to convince the jury that he sexually abused them. I mean, this guy is one person after another, one woman after another. The stories just continue to pile up. And I, I think we all know he's not unlucky um, that he, he engaged in this kind of conduct. But, and he talked about it himself in the Access Hollywood tape. And I was there with him when the Access Hollywood tape came out. And let me tell you something, Brian. He was embarrassed. He was embarrassed then. He's tried to change the whole history now. But he was embarrassed then. Look. This kind of conduct is unacceptable for somebody that we call a leader um, and, and him wanting to take leadership again. And so I, do I think this is a silver bullet that ends Donald Trump's candidacy? No. I just think it's additional weight of evidence that people are going to look at and say, you know, if he's this unlucky, Brian, if, if none of this has really happened, he's this unlucky, we don't want a guy this unlucky as president either. Well, you have to say one thing. I guess this, uh, you have to wonder why a woman comes out, can't even name the year. It was the mid-90s, which an incident took place and nothing was known until the last few years when he becomes a national figure. When people say that, you know, he is being targeted, do they have a, does he have a legitimate case in that they, they are coming at him from both at, with both barrels? Well, look, Brian, everybody who gets involved in politics gets targeted. Donald Trump's trying to act like, you know, this is the, he's the first person this has ever happened to. Um, it's not. It's just that he gives them much more material to target. And, and his conduct has led to it. Don't believe, if you don't want to believe what Gene Carroll says, that's anybody's right to do. But a jury of 12 agreed with it unanimously. But if you put her aside, use his own words in the Access Hollywood tape, um, Brian. He has said this is something he's entitled to do. And you say, well... Governor, you know, that was, that was you know, 17, 18 years ago. Um, he's, a, he's a changed man. Well, in his deposition, they asked him if he believes that what he said in the Access Hollywood shape about the way you could treat women if you were a star was true. And he said, yes, it's true. And it's been true for a thousand years. So this is a guy who believes this, Brian. Why don't we, why do we keep making excuses? And why don't we listen to his own words? And his own words in the deposition said that what he said in the Access Hollywood tape about being able to assault women with impunity because you're a star, he said, I'm a star, and that's true today, mm -hmm. and it's been true for a 1,000 years. Governor Christie, our guest. Governor, would you also say, too, that uh, a guy named Bill Clinton had a real dicey past before he got in office as governor? Uh, then when he got his president and went after, and he ends up winning overwhelmingly re-election, do the American people saying we don't care about personal behavior, we like the policies? Well, look, that's what people are going to have to determine. They certainly had that situation with Clinton. 
Um, and, and there's no doubt that that's what happened back in the early to mid-90s with Bill Clinton. Um, but what I'm saying to you is this is not just that, Brian. We, we, if we want, we go through the entire you know, uh, you know, panoply of what he's been involved in um, and, and what, how he's embarrassed us. But even more than that, how he's let us down. You know, Brian, he said he was going to repeal and replace Obamacare. He had a Republican Congress, and he didn't get it done. He said he was going to build a wall across the entire border of us in Mexico. He didn't get it done. He said that Mexico would pay for it. We're still waiting for our first peso on that deal. Um, he said he was going to balance the budget in five years. He left us with the greatest deficit of any president in American history. I mean, put aside the personal behavior if you want, Brian. He promised us a lot of things. I stood on that stage in 2016 and listened to him promise those things. Right. And he didn't deliver on them. See, so see, if you want to talk policies, yes, he cut taxes. I approve that, and I, and I give him credit for it. Yes, he lowered regulation. He made a trade deal with China that they haven't lived up to a, to a third of what they promised him in that deal. He got taken to the cleaners there. He got taken to the cleaners by Kim Jong-un. I mean, you know, well, we could talk policies, and I'm happy to. I don't want to dwell on the personal behavior, but all of it combined – is a pretty sad story. See, see, this is this is where I fear definitely. Uh, if you go to the play-by-play of the wall, you know that Paul Ryan gave 1.6 billion for that wall, and he needed 10 to 20. You know he did that two years in a row. So that was a Republican Congress. So what he could do is take on Paul Ryan. He did that, caused great tension, and then he got 450 miles done or redone. And then when you look at the actual policies when it comes to the trade deals with South Korea, the USMCA, and if it wasn't for the pandemic, they might have they might have been able to get that in gear. But then China decides to poison the world. Well, but but Brian, he made the deal and the Chinese didn't live up to the deal. And what did he do about it? And 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 by the way, on the wall, I don't care about what Paul Ryan's money was. He told us Mexico was going to pay for it. Don't you remember that, Brian? Good point. We weren't going to pay a nickel. Mexico was going to pay for it. And he was such a good deal maker, he was going to make it happen. So what did it matter what Congress was going to appropriate? Mexico was going to pay for it. I stood on that stage and listened to him say it over and over again. And Mexico has not paid one peso toward the wall. And by the way, if you're the Republican president and you can't persuade a Republican Congress, what hope do we have of him if he's president with divided government? Um, that's, uh, we saw it with divided government. Uh, it didn't, it didn't go too well. It got the USMCA passed. He did do trade deals. I think the reason why he's surging, if you ask me, is how bad Joe Biden's doing and almost everything that Joe Biden undid in terms of oil and gas production and everything he's uh, trying to do, trying to raise corporate taxes, how he's let the border get busted, how he let the Middle East, uh, basically turned it over to China. Uh, how he's conducted what I think is the right move in backing Ukraine and with the way he left Afghanistan. I think all those things give Republicans a great opportunity and makes Donald Trump's approach look more uh, more appetizing. Would you agree with that? Well, look, I agree with part of it. I totally agree with the fact that Joe Biden has created, as we predicted he would, an opportunity a great opportunity for Republicans to come in with our policies. But but Donald Trump has shown that he can't execute on those policies. He can't, Brian. And he certainly is not going to be able to do it if we have divided government. We saw that in his last two years. 
So I do agree with you. But let's remember who's responsible for Joe Biden. It's Donald Trump. He's the person who lost to Joe Biden. He's the only person outside the state of Delaware to have ever lost an election to Joe Biden. And it was his conduct, his failure as a candidate, and his failure as a president to fulfill his promises that led the American people to elect Joe Biden. And so I can't just let him off the hook, Brian, and we shouldn't let him off the hook. The would you, would is, you also say that the pandemic, he was probably getting reelected, wasn't for the pandemic, and that Joe Biden gets elected because he promised to do better and he actually did worse in tra- with, a, with a vaccine? Look, Brian, I, I, I have always seen over the course of time, and you've seen this too, when there's a crisis that occurs in the country, what normally happens is the American people rally around the president. They didn't rally around this president because he said that it was just going to go away. They didn't rally around this president because he didn't take it seriously, because he pursued policies that wound up not being effective, with the exception of Operation Warp Speed. And so normally what you see in any type of crisis is for a, a president or a governor's numbers to go way up. During Hurricane Sandy and its aftermath, my approval ratings were in the high 70s because people want to rally around the person in charge if they're doing a good job. The pandemic didn't prevent him from winning. The pandemic should have sealed his victory, but it was his performance that led to it, his performance in the first debate, which was awful. Go on and on and on. And why is anything going to be different if we nominate the same guy again with even more baggage that he had in 2020? Do you believe that the headwinds that Donald Trump faced with the CIA now looks like they green-lighted the 51 people to sign off that Hunter Biden's laptop was actually Russian disinformation, things to that nature that took place? Do you think every Republican is going to feel that from the establishment, or you think just Trump brings that out? Well, look, I think that he brings it out more than any, uh, more than any other. But Republicans are always fighting against the mainstream media, Brian. When have we ever had a Republican candidate in our lifetime who hasn't fought against the mainstream media? I remember back to even George Bush's 41, 41's re-election campaign where he had a bumper sticker that said, annoy the media, re-elect Bush. I mean, this has been going on forever. Donald Trump acts like he's the only person who's ever fought against the media and had the media mm-hmm. against him. I was governor in New Jersey, with, and you watched it, with the New York and Philadelphia media, the New York Times, the New York Daily News, the, the Philadelphia Inquirer going after me on a day-to-day basis. You fight against that all the time, all the time. He's not the only person who's ever suffered that, but because he whines right. and complains constantly about it, people tend to think he's had it worse than anybody else. And, and the fact right. is that if he's had it worse than anybody else, a lot of it's because of his own conduct. He's brought it on himself. Now, the last poll, you saw the Washington Post poll. You were on the set for the ABC poll. The president wins by seven or eight points, as does Ron DeSantis. What about people who say, well, that shows that Chris Christie's wrong. He can win. Well, look, if the election were held today, that's correct. That's correct. But the election is not going to be held today, Brian. And the election is not going to be held until November of 2024. And I don't understand why we want to nominate someone who lost to Joe Biden who not only lost to Joe Biden, but lost the House in 2018, lost the United States Senate in 2020, in addition to losing the White House, and the candidates he endorsed. 
in contested races in the states that we need to win in Gov- 2024. Governor, what about your decision? What about your decision? When are you going to make your when do you have to make your decision if you're going to get in? When's your cutoff? In, in the next couple of weeks, Brian. And when do what do you think you where do you feel right now if I was to say you had to make a decision now? The good news is I don't. <laughs> so, I won't make a decision now, but what I'll tell you, Brian, is that the Republican Party needs to get serious about looking forward and not looking backwards. And we don't need a grievance, complaining, whining, right. and by the way, scared candidates. You know, what other candidate is saying that they might not show up at the debates? What's he afraid of? Gotcha. Why can't he debate Republican candidates, Brian? Go- Governor, I, you gave me 14 quality minutes. I owe you. The Governor Chris Christie, within two weeks, he'll make a decision. Thanks, Governor. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List. Your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations, or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. We'll also provide further information regarding the Biden's relationship with China. This includes two individuals the committee is particularly concerned about. One of them, Yu Jinming, had close ties to the highest levels of the Chinese Communist Party and operated a multi-billion dollar energy company with access to large sums of money. We'll discuss how the Bidens received millions of dollars from this individual through the use of shell companies and wire transfers. And that's the whole thing. James Comer points out this cut, these businesses, and is it illegal to do international business? Yes. Uh, no, it isn't. Obviously, you got to register. That's a problem. The far thing that Manafort got himself in trouble with. This press conference is ongoing, by the way, that you're listening to now as James Comer outlines all the problems uh, with the Biden family's links to, into, to other nations and how it could affect foreign policy. But the question is, what are you getting? If Donald Trump or Jamie Dimon is uh, doing business with another country, you know exactly what they're doing. Oh, here's the investment. Here's the bank. Here's the hotel. Here's the golf course. Here's the field. What is Joe Biden selling? Access to the government? 
Is Barack Obama happy about that? Is that why you're chairman of foreign relations? Is that why you're vice president of the United States? Is that why you're president of the United States? To go give a speech in another country, okay, I got it. But to go become a consultant for a company in another country, a communist country like China, let's see if people care. I know I care. I know you care. Let's see if the voters care. And we'll get the details when we come back. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. While Vice President Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies, in reality, he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with a Romanian national who was under investigation for and later convicted of corruption. In Romania, the Bidens received over $1 million for the deal. And 16 of the 17 payments to their associates' account that funneled the Bidens' money occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves the vice presidency. This is a pattern of influence peddling. This appears separate. From any payment Hunter received from his work connecting this individual to a U.S. law firm. So this this press conference is still going on. It started about nine oh five, right on time, with the oversight committee, and uh, we're seeing now uh, each one a member who had a chance to speak. I haven't seen Jim Jordan yet, but that was Byron Donalds up, Andy Biggs, Kelly Armstrong, James Comer opened. You just heard him. Nancy Mace has already spoken. With me right now, and I had to drag him away from this, is Douglas Murray, Fox News contributor, National Review Institute bestselling author, uh, latest one, The War on the West. Douglas, this is long promise. It's very rare for someone to say, you're not going to believe what's coming up in three days. You're not going to believe what's coming up in two days. Then he was on James Comer last night and then with us on 7.30 a.m., Fox and Friends. Now at 9 o'clock, he's on with the press conference. Is he delivering? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, everything we've heard so far since the, the beginning of the hour is very specific. Uh, it's comprehensive about the Biden family as a whole, as a, a, a firm-like entity. And it's devastating, I think. I mean, we're talking about most of the family, as far as one can see, enriching themselves during the exact time, as was just mentioned, that Joe Biden was vice president. This is classic influence peddling. Uh, the fact that the committee has got so much of the specifics of it is going to be what is now a problem for the Biden family as a whole. People listening? Now, we I've seen the framework of what I mean, you know, I'm trying to do the show, talk mm-hmm. to Chris Christie and you. I've seen this framework before. I've never seen this detail. Mm. You said something to me when you sat down. Maybe not new to people that care like us, mm. but what about the others that go out of their way not to care? Uh, I think it'll cut through. I think it's bound to. People People know what this is. They've seen it. I mean, we've seen this with other politicians before. It's not like influence peddling itself is new. But you know it when you see it. And you know it when you see it with this amount of detail and on this number of occasions. You know, we're not just talking about the Ukrainian deal. We're not just talking about the Romanian businessmen. You know, we're not just talking about the Chinese firms. Add all of this together. It's very clear what was happening. Everybody around the then vice president was enriching themselves based on his position. 
And I, I don't think most of the American people like that. Question is, too, where's the money? And, and is it taxed? Where's the money? Is it taxed? I mean, there's a whole set of problems to come for all the Biden. Have you done any taxes lately? Do you how many? Yeah, tell you, it's, do you, it's hell. It's hell. I mean, I, Everything. I mean, it's unbelievable that with the detail you need right now is unbelievable. Yeah, the dollar. Absolutely. To every dollar. Now, um, has Hunter been keeping records that are appropriate and declaring everything? I suppose we'll see. But when it's things like the children, the grandchildren of Biden receiving money. From Why would they? Well. Why would they? What do they do? Exactly. I mean, I mean, uh, Hunter was obviously pretending this was a legal fees, but what was the advisory role of the grandchildren in this precisely? Why were they receiving six-figure sums? And I think the other thing about this that will strike a lot of voters is, you know, we are talking about very significant sums of money here. And at a time when, you know, average households all feeling the squeeze, when the dollar in your pocket is going less and less far every day, <laughs> To hear of these millions of dollars coming in and just being like slushed around the Biden family, especially I don't think that plays well. Hey, uh, Douglas, especially when you're blue collar Joe and you're supposed right. to understand the working man and the union worker. I know what it's like to go out there. My dad loses yeah. a job and he says the same story over yeah. and over again. Nobody thinks even though blue collar people like Trump, nobody mm. thinks that he's a blue collar person. No, Joe Biden, Joe Biden does everything except the micro jean shirt. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what he does. And remember, the question is this. Every time people get close to ask him a question, he gets angry. Yes. When, uh, how dare you speak about my mm. son? Here's a listen back at Joe Biden already on the record. Cut eight. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. And what I will do is the same thing we did in our administration. There will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh, and, and, and the government. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business Yes, I stand by that statement. The how, problem, can he, how can he stand by it? Exactly. The problem about this is this is already provably untrue. The voicemail. The voicemail says, son, I read the Washington Post article. I think we're going to be in the clear. On what? Right. Uh, and what did he think the meetings with various people were about when he was vice president? Carlos Slim of Mexico. Right. This this Russian oligarch. The, uh, the Russian oligarch is one of the worst ones because, I mean, you and I know that whatever your closeness, your family members, if somebody says – uh, there's this big Russian oligarch who's coming for dinner and you need to at least appear for a bit, you might say, why, son? That's a problem. That, I've been doing this for 50 years. I won't be appearing. Exactly. And then what but happens? that's not what happens. Now, Douglas, does it seem kind of strange that the, one of the only oligarchs not to get sanctioned after the invasion of Ukraine was this same oligarch? It's, um, it's something that the committee should look into as well. So, I mean, all, but, but the crucial thing is this thing, that, as you say, he's already said repeatedly on the record that none of this is the case. And he has been so definite every time. In fact, so definite, as you can hear it in his voice, sir, and you can see it in each one of the clips of the times when he's denied any family enrichment on the basis of his position as vice president. Every time he gets highly defensive and po positively sort of like standing, you know, squaring off against the reporter. Um, so what's that about? If it was straightforwardly untrue, you would dismiss it. Um, there's the, the, the protectiveness about not looking into the family 
enriching themselves is going to be a problem for him. And the thing is, and I've said this before, very simply, if he, well, what Donald Trump had uh, has a building in Saudi Arabia, he's got buildings in Turkey, and he's got a golf course in Scotland, and he has got um, three and uh, two in Florida, the Doral mm. and where he is. Okay, I know that. Yeah. And if Jamie Dimon was to run for president, I know exactly what he was doing. Well, mm. if you don't like the entanglements, don't vote for him. But it's not right. a mystery. You know, mm-hmm. if they uncover some type of relationship, yeah. it's not a mystery. This is a mystery. Here's more from Comer. Instead of being with honest with the American people, President Biden has claimed since the 2020 election that his family has not received money from China. That was a lie in 2020. And he continues to lie to the American people now. The Bidens have received millions of dollars from China. It is inconceivable that the president did not know it. The White House refuses to correct the president's statements, showing the president is now using the federal government to run interference for his families and his own role in these schemes. And then from that open comes the detail and it is the detail. And Douglas, as we, we find out about these companies, if he can follow up, and there's going to be some independent journalists aside from uh, Fox that, and Fox News Digital especially and some entity, New York Post, that is going to be looking into it. And they're going to see that bank records are bank records. It's not an opinion. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just wondering, being that he's polling so terribly and doing mm-hmm. so awful – Look at the border. Look at China. Mm. Look, the inflation is going to be announced today. It's going to go up today. Right. I'm wondering if some Democrats go, you know, I'm not defending them. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just let this lie. That's, that's my feeling is, is, is that if, if that starts to happen, we'll see it happen pretty fast. It, it'll, it'll go very fast. The first, the first Democrats who come out and say, actually, you know what? We don't need this. Uh, I think we could see a follow-on from that that will happen very swiftly. This is this is very. I mean, we are remember just back like six years ago, all the talk about the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation was positively clean compared to what we're looking at here, because at least the Clinton Foundation was everyone could see what it was. They were raising money, but it was sort of to pay for Bill and Hillary's as, jets. As Hillary and, became more and more legitimate candidate, more and more money flew in from influential Absolutely. And it was, it was completely straightforward. And we could sort of see what was happening. It, it, it wasn't... And it, it bothered was, people. It, it bothered people. It wasn't good. But it wasn't anything like this. I mean, this, they haven't even bothered to set up a sort of family foundation. This isn't uh, 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 Joe Biden's out-of-office, pre- you know, um, post-vice presidential jet-paying operation. This is every member of the Biden family personally enriching themselves. And I, I, I don't think any of that looks good at all, as you say, in a period of, of inflation, of a period in which everyone's struggling already financially. Title 42 has fallen apart, 100,000 in three days. And, you know, the interesting thing about this as well, uh, I was talking about this uh, this morning on Fox and Friends, but it, look at uh, the Washington Post uh, this week has finally acknowledged what you and I have said for a long time, which is why is the president not appearing in front of the press? Ever. Ever. I mean, he did that. He appeared in front of a group of five-year-olds the other day, and he didn't handle that very well. Um, so we, we, we know why he doesn't appear in front of the president. He talked about Jesse Helms. Every, every Irish kid wants to hear about Jesse Helms. Yeah. Remember that? Um, <laughs> he did. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> and, but the point is, is, is that the president doesn't appear in front of the press, and even, even the Washington Post has noticed that this week and has mentioned it in an editorial. And what did he do yesterday? Now, uh, now, and he, he very swiftly – has a set of a set of questions which he doesn't answer again. But here's the thing: the, the Washington Post said the press isn't your enemy, Mr. President. 
Now, I think that's wrong. I think on this occasion he recognizes that the press is his enemy. The free press is his enemy because it is going to, even the Washington Post and co., will end up having to ask questions about precisely what we're hearing at the moment in this press conference. They will have to ask questions about the influence peddling, about the, the, the money earning, about what the family business was doing. And that is going to be lethal for Joe Biden because Joe Biden does not react well to these questions, as we heard earlier. He, he, he is highly defensive. He is telling things that we already know to be untruths. And uh, that's why he's not appearing in front of the press, as well as not being very good at handling them. He would have to answer questions. And there are more and more of them every day. And if you think about it, the moment when they realized the Hunter Biden laptop is now in the FBI hands and Johnny Mac Isaac, the yeah. and what they had to do to suppress it. Mm-hmm. And then once it came out, how could no one roll back to that moment where he looked in the camera and said 51 intel experts said that yeah. this was Russian disinformation? He looked in the camera. That's, he's looking at us. Yeah. And he lied, he lied. definitively. Now, and, and, and that is going to be, I think, more and more lethal for him. Jim Jordan has just been speaking about this at the press conference that's going on at the moment about this latest developments of the, the uh, committee. And uh, he mentioned, Jim Jordan mentioned, the, the issue of the 51 intelligence officers who signed, former intelligence officers who signed this letter. Uh, we know that, that what they did was, uh, was terribly unethical. We know that it was coordinated from people close to they Joe Biden. They risked their whole reputation. They risked their whole – and, and these, these are people with significant reputation for people like Michael Hayden. Leon or, Panetta? Yeah. It, it's, it, it's shocking. And I'd add one other thing to that. It's one of the reasons why there has been such a declining trust in America in recent years in every single institution, including the intelligence community. We come back more on this, too, because it turns out the CIA was more involved in the 51 retired uh, that letter than we even thought. Uh, More on that. And we'll bring you more from this press conference, which is still going on. It is now 50 minutes long. Uh, We're lucky enough to have Chris Christie to kick us off and Douglas Murray to bring us through. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Well, we know the CIA reviewed and approved the letter uh, when, when, when Mike Burrell sent it to him. We also know that there was a person at the, on this review board who contacted one of the individuals who signed the letter. He had something else pending in front of this review board. He called him up and said, hey, would you be willing to sign this letter and read it to this individual, David Carrions, who winds up signing the letter. So not only did they review and approve the letter, they were actively soliciting, recruiting people to sign on. And that is Jim Jordan finding out that the 51 intel experts who put their uh, who put their reputation on the line to say the Hunter Biden laptop was classic Russian disinformation. What went into that? We're finding out that Mike Morrell went to the board of the CIA and had them sign off on it, as you just heard. Morrell also said in the email he wanted to provide a talking point for President Biden ahead of the final debate. Douglas Murray, this is unbelievable to me Mm. as we watch James Comer now takes questions with his uh, oversight committee. At that uh, at the press conference, it is. I mean, we already knew that the letter was not organic. I mean, we knew it at the time. It was not like these fifty-one former intel officers uh, just all decided simultaneously to survey quickly too, very quickly. I mean, that was one of the things that every member of the American public could see at the time, if they wanted to, was that this happened in in no time at all. 
And actually, to survey, I'm a columnist in New York Post to declare an interest, but the New York Post's experts going over the laptop took a very, you know, they took a long time. They went over it in enormous detail to, to ensure that this was all legit before they ran the story. There was no way that anyone, in, a former Intel officer or not, could have done that in the record time they did. So we knew that they couldn't have had the oversight of the laptop that they claimed to have had. We knew that the letter must have been organized. But the level at which it was organized at, I think that is a shock. Jim Jordan goes on. I don't want to take too much time, but he says it was Donald Trump CIA. It was mm. who was head of the CIA at the time, Gina Haspel? So why would they complain? At the very least, like the DOJ is not going to do anything with James Comer's stuff. Mm. Right? It's up to the American public to make the decision or overwhelm with evidence. Mm. For, Donald, for Donald Trump to have put somebody in the head of the CIA and for them to sign off on a letter they know wasn't real, possibly couldn't be authentic, uh, they couldn't be doing something they did, felt good about. And I'll, I've never spent any time in the CIA. You haven't either. But if you want me to sign off on something, I would like to get Joe Biden on the phone. Say, hey, before I put my reputation on the line, Joe, Liam mm. Panetta. Um, is this Hunter's email? Uh, I see another name I recognize here. Hey, by the way, was that email legitimate? And if so many people say, yeah, that's my email, that's my text message, that's my voicemail, I go, yeah, I'm not signing this. I, I work too hard. I had this argument recently with a columnist at the New York Times on stage in public uh, where I said to her, when she said, oh, there was no time to work out whether or not the New York Post story was true. So to shelve it. I, I mean, I said to her, that's absolutely untrue, and you know it. The fastest way to have done it was to look at any of the emails, as you just mentioned, Brian, look at any of the emails, see who they were sent to, call up those people and say, did you receive this email? Or is it an email made up by the Kremlin and totally invented? That takes five minutes. And papers like The New York Times didn't bother to take those five minutes to work it out whether it was true or not. And much, much more worrying than that, because that's what you'd expect from The New York Times is that these former intel officers didn't do that, didn't bother to do that, or didn't wish to do that. And it was a brilliant talking point because Trump mm -hmm. couldn't believe it. He was shocked by it, and uh, the moderator kind of joined in with the squelch Trump's uh, protests. Yeah, and I think that this, as uh, we mentioned just before the break, I think this, this speaks to this very deep concern a lot of us have in this country, which is, you know, it doesn't seem to matter who wins elections sometimes. You still have these re remnants, residue of the deep state, who can still work against an administration from within the administration. That is something that stinks, and we all know it. Right. Uh, you don't. Douglas Murray, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We'll continue to follow the breaking news. Keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming here from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. And again, uh, the biggest story in the country, I think, is the evaporation of Title 42. I, I will say that because our country's being invaded. I'm talking about to the tune of 6 million plus. And now we're getting, I thought it was, let me see, 82,000 over the last 10 days have come in here illegally. We're now up to 10,000 a day. And we expect more than that because Title 42 has been keeping the cap on to a degree, giving us a reason to stop the flow and keep it to a million two in May. When last year of Donald Trump ended up being in office, 453,000 for the entire year. 
So now we find out that's the biggest story. But as I sit here in New York, it's actually almost as big in New York as it is in El Paso and Brownsville. Why do I say that, Tucson? Because in New York, we got 66,000. Oh, in New York, we have hundreds of hotels that have been overwhelmed by illegal immigrants who are complaining about the food and accommodations. We have people just walking the streets that they might be the best people or the worst people in the world. We don't have any idea. And now we have a war between the counties. You have Manhattan's, excuse me, New York City Mayor Eric Adams sending immigrants, illegal immigrants, over to Rockland County, over to Orange County, upstate New York, sending some over to colleges, some over to JFK Airport, because we have nowhere to warehouse these people. And they're human beings, I get it, but they belong in another country. That's not how you come in here. It's just we've never done it this way. And now we have a war in New York amongst counties saying, you just went, you bypassed us. You rented a hotel. So they had a judge in Rockland stop Eric Adams from dropping this bus, have this bus company drop people off in a hotel because they're not accommodated for it. You know, they're going to be flooding our schools. Meanwhile, Eric Adams uh, knows this, too, as well as the mayor of Chicago, uh, Philadelphia, uh, who are running in the red. Uh, with me right now is, is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He's in the eye of the storm. They have a special task force out there to police what's happening at our border. Uh, Dan, can you put in perspective what you guys are experiencing in Texas? Well, I, I can, uh, Brian, and good to be with you again. And let me say that the numbers you use underscore, uh, and they're accurate, what I've been saying for years. A long time ago, Brian, and I talked about us being invaded and people said, no, that's a that's a tough word, invasion. No, that's what's happening under the order uh, of the president of the United States, allowing his own country to be invaded. And if you look at your numbers, Brian, let's just look at, at, at um, Biden since he's come into office. And you're absolutely right. Under the last year of Trump, we had the border more secure than we've ever had it and under control. Under Biden, we are somewhere around 6 million apprehended so far, somewhere around that number. Now, the gotaways are another several hundred thousand, could be a half a million. You really don't know because the gotaways are the people we see, Brian. Back of their heads. We see them. We just can't get there. Yeah, Yeah. the back of their heads. And people say, well, how could that be? Well, our border with with Mexico and Texas is 1,254 miles. That's longer than the distance from Atlanta, Georgia, to Portland, Maine. Wow. Now, it's not a straight line. It's a zigzag. But we don't have someone every tenth of a mile. And there's a lot of no-man land out there. So you've got the gotaways. But on top of that, Brian, you have the people that we never see. And law enforcement will tell you, whether it's Border Patrol, the local sheriff, whomever it is, that for everyone we apprehend, because that's the numbers at Fox and everyone reports we've apprehended $6 million, we think maybe we get one out of two or three, Brian. So if you're getting one out of two, that means there's not – and I'm using the conservative number – not six million that we're aware of across, but another 12 million total. So now you're at 12 plus the gotaways over three years. And in, and in 2016, Brian, MIT did a study, and they said that we had 26 to 33 million illegal immigrants in the country in 2016, which matched the studies that that I've done here in Texas. And that was 2016. So we are well moving on this number, Brian, of having 10 to 15 percent of the entire United States population here illegally. 10 to 15 percent. It's unbelievable. I I can't get my – you live it, and I've I've been down there five times. You live it every day. Yes. 
Uh, so, yeah, so we live it every day. I, what, what I found and, and stunning what, over the last re- yeah. uh, what, yeah, over the last I'm couple sorry. of weeks. You know, I, I'm used to you coming on, Greg Abbott coming on. You know, Governor Ducey to a degree, yeah. and certain people just throwing up their hands, saying, "What is going on?" Ken Cuccinelli this morning, understood, but. Now I find to see Katie Hobbs, who's to the left, of, way left of center, says she can't get an answer from right. the White House. Senator Kirsten right. Sinema, the same thing. We know Henry Cuellar is nonstop frustrated. And then we find out the president of Guatemala told uh, Tony Gonzalez that he found out 80,000 migrants were passing 80, through and he can't yes. get the White House to return a call. Are you kidding? No. You guys had the previous administration had a guy parked in Guatemala trying to work with and sometimes threatening them to get a hold of their own border. Yeah. Yeah, I could pick up the phone when Donald Trump was president uh, and and put a call into the White House, and he would return the call usually that day. So could Greg Abbott and I assume other Republican leaders uh, along the border. Uh, we don't have – we have basically zero communication. Uh, and the communication we have now, if you watch Mayorkas, most of what we hear from him is what we see on TV where he says the border is closed. I mean, you know, Brian, it's a dangerous thing when a politician or someone ahead of an agency like a Mayorkas is lies to you to your face. But it's really dangerous when they know that you know they're lying to you and they continue to lie. That means a total disrespect for the intellect uh, of the American people. It's a total disrespect for people in general. Like, I'm going to tell you anything. I, this is what happens in, in, dic, in dictator, you know, countries run by dictators. Uh, people know you're lying, but uh, you, you tell them the same thing. So, Brian, your story about New York, I find it interesting. So Mayor Adams and, and, uh, and, and Chicago's mayor and other mayors complain when we send buses and we're still sending them to their cities. And by the way, they were sanctuary cities. You know, they said we welcome people. Yeah, until they got anyone. We don't have any sanctuary cities in Texas. I passed that law back in 2015 out of the Senate. But so they complain. Now they're sending them to other counties. No one can handle this, Brian. And so not only isn't Biden talking to Republican leaders, I don't think he's talking to Democrat leaders at all. This man has no idea of how he's being controlled because anyone with any common sense would not have any policy like this at all. He's being controlled by, I believe, the socialist Marxist left within his party that want to take this country down. And you take a country down by chaos. And that's what they're creating, crime. You know, you go to the other issue, letting criminals out on the streets uh, over and over in cities. I'm not talking about illegal immigrants. I'm talking about U.S. citizens. I mean, we see it everywhere. The the economy is in chaos. Uh, Our world order is in chaos. This is about trying to take this country down, and that's what it's about. And and by the way, Brian, the the administration said yesterday that once the NGOs – these are the non-government associates who work with the federal government, nonprofits, try to help house these people. They've already said that they're going to be overrun, and we're just going to let these people out on the street. They're just going to drop them off anywhere. It's a supermarket. It's a grocery store. They're going to drop these people off anywhere. So we can't handle it, and we have – I'm spending – in our budget, Brian, I say I'm spending, the Senate's spending. We write the budget together along with the House. $4 billion of our taxpayer money, $4 billion on border security, um, and we were spending $400 million a year under Donald Trump. And we've got every resource we have, National Guard, Department of Public Safety. We're putting up concertina wire, building the wall. We're doing everything we can because they're not doing their job. So I, we have this stat. You talk about it getting worse. As of right now, it's estimated there are 35,000 illegal immigrants waiting to be illegal immigrants, migrants, 
aspiring illegal immigrants waiting to cross into Juarez from El, right into El Paso from Juarez. Yeah. 15,000 crossings uh, last week in Matamoros. Uh, Laredo, Texas declared a state of emergency. Uh, they had uh, they had thousands come across there. And then we have 16,000 migrants waiting to cross in Tijuana into San Diego. We don't hear much about that. Now, you guys put together this task force, this this new unit that's going to have four yeah. C-130 transport planes towering over the yeah. tarmac in Austin. Uh, your governor, uh, the Governor Abbott, says he's uh, going to have 200 soldiers, National Guardsmen. He's going to be securing the border, turning people around. Ken Cuccinelli yeah. is telling me that you guys are not turning people around when you get them to the border, and you can. What's the reality there? Well, Ken Cuccinelli doesn't know what we're doing in Texas, and I like I like Ken. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. We apprehend uh, the criminals that we catch, and we've, we've passed a law out of the Senate this session, by the way. Any criminal that crosses the border illegally with a criminal record can face up to life in prison. So we're not turning people around. Uh, we'll incarcerate them, particularly the serious criminals, the people who do not. And by the way, we have terrorists across the border that we catch because, as you said, to open the show, nobody knows who they are. So when we apprehend someone, we turn them over to Border Patrol. Uh, Border Patrol then has control of them. Uh, we do we do send people some people right to the bridge to have them returned. Um, it depends who they are, where they cross, and where Border Patrol is, and what Border Patrol does. Uh, but our 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 ability to stop in El Paso a couple of months ago when we knew there was a big crowd coming, we put barbed wire concertina wire, big round bales, and it stopped people from coming over. Our goal is to stop them from coming over, which is supposed to be Brian the Border Patrol's job. But they they've been turned in through no asking of their own. They would like to do their job and secure the border. They're, they've been turned into hotel clerks, you know, with a big vacancy sign out. You know, saying "Come to America, everything is free." And uh, again, I can't, I can't emphasize, Brian, how this president is destroying this country. You know, our founding fathers in the Constitution it talks about invasion of one states can be involved. Like if there were an army coming across the Rio Grande, literally right. the Mexican army coming across the Rio, or any other country. Well, we can repel them. The Supreme Court said, well, under the Constitution, um, you know, we're not able to do that. It's one of the reasons I passed the law about putting them in prison for life if, if, they're, uh, uh, if, if they're a terrorist I mean, or a criminal because we want to go to the Supreme Court. We want the Supreme Court to say that we ought to be able to do everything that we want to do, that we're not allowed to do. But our founding fathers, Brian, when they talked about invasion, when they put it in the Constitution, they were thinking of armies coming here. I know. They weren't thinking of just people coming across the river. They weren't thinking we'd ever have a president of the United States who would allow our country to be overrun by millions of people. And, and it doesn't and so, mean we're anti-immigrant. It doesn't mean that's a totally no, different conversation. A totally different conversation. We're for Ill, we're for uh, legal immigration. And but by the way, right? I will blame both parties for this. Over the many years in Congress, we had situations where we had a Republican president, a Republican Congress, and Congress didn't do anything. We've had situations where you had a Democrat president, a Democrat Congress, and they didn't do anything. So. It, it, Congress has not done anything. Uh, the Republicans have tried and failed a couple of times. The Democrats even haven't even tried. And so we, we have to win the White House in 24. We just have to win it. We have to keep Congress. We have right. to take the Senate back. And we've got to do this. And by the way, there will be no excuse for the Republicans when that happens in 24. Uh, comprehensive, do yeah, border security is part of comprehensive, but it's got to be first. You can't it's have first. comprehensive without this. So here's what the president said yesterday. He spoke to the president of Mexico, and here's what he predicted. Cut one. 
We're doing all we can. Uh, the answer is uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, we've gotten overwhelming cooperation from Mexico. Uh, we also are in the process of setting up res uh, uh, offices in Colombia and other places where you can, where someone seeking asylum can go first. So, but it remains to be seen. It's going to be chaotic for a while. So, how do you feel? Do you think he's on top of things? Yeah, yeah. yeah. on top of things. He doesn't even know where he is, Brian. He doesn't know where he's been. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where he's going. He shakes hands with invisible people when he finishes giving a speech. Uh, and he's, we have a vice president who can't string ten sentence, ten words together to make a coherent sentence. This country, the leadership in this country now is the worst in the history of this country. And we just have to hang on by our fingernails. What do you think he was talking to the president of Mexico? What was he talking to the president of Mexico? Yeah. It's got to start yeah. with this. I need 20,000 yeah. Marines on your southern border right away. And we're not letting yeah. anybody out of your into our country from your country. How have you allowed this to happen? Yeah. Well, that's what Trump did. Trump reached out to Mexico, sent Pompeo down there, and Pompeo said, if you don't help us and stop this, <laughs> then we're going to put tariffs on all your products and stop. One of the things that we're doing right now, Brian, that hasn't got much national attention, so we are stopping trucking coming over. We did it uh, uh, two years ago. We're doing it again. And so we're stopping all the trucks, and we've started this in Brownsville this time, to get Mexico on the other side, the local governors of the states on the other side to help us. So there is a 10-mile backup, 15-mile backup of, of, you know, we have a lot yeah. of goods coming in from Mexico, and we stop them. And by the way, 30% or more of the trucks that we stop do not pass inspection to be on U.S. roads. But Mexico is furious about that because, it, it first of all, the produce will spoil, and, you know, why it's waiting there, a lot of the other products. Uh, again, it backs up everything. And so they are helping us in those areas where we do that. Now, that hurts the supply line in America, without question. A lot of American companies don't like it. But we have to pull all the stops out to do everything. So we do have Mexico at least helping us a little bit uh, where we stop their trucks because, again, they're, they're backed up through their communities 20, 25 miles at times. So, so we're going to do everything we can, Brian, but you, you have to have a federal government who, who – who will follow the Constitution and protect American citizens. And, and Brian, you know, we're talking about all these people are coming. You know, I always ask the question, where are they going? Now, we know that Biden just said, well, it's going to be chaos for a while. What president would ever say, I have ever. a policy that's going to create chaos? Crazy. I just said it a few minutes ago to you. That's what they want to do is create chaos. And he basically said that, and he thinks it's going to just pass. Uh, like the like the yeah. post game, you know, after a team wins a championship, there'll be a little celebration in the streets yeah. and a few light poles will be yeah. bent, but we'll be okay. Um, Lieutenant yeah. Governor it's Dan at, Patrick, it's Afghanistan all over again. Yeah, that one's happening uh, in America, and he got a pass on that. Sadly, Lieutenant Governor yeah. Dan Patrick, thanks so much. Uh, yes. Good luck in the Thank next twenty four hours. Uh, appreciate yes, it. Uh, listen, when we come back, uh, we'll take your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine, and then the exclusive announcement from Fox Sports. Don't move. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fundamental question is, what did they do to warrant the receipt of millions and millions of dollars? Why did, why did Joe Biden's brother, why did Joe Biden's sister-in-law, why did Joe Biden's son, why did so many family members get the money? What did they do to, re to warrant receipt of that money? That's the fundamental question. Chairman McComber and the team have done great work, and they're determined to get answers to those fundamental questions. 
That is Jim Jordan wrapping up the Oversight Committee press conference led by James Comer, and then they took a lot of questions. They outlined all these international business deals where the grandchildren, in many cases, benefited, got wired money. Now, they're not going to a trust. It's not saying, hey, I got some money in case something happens to me. Here you go. It's not saying, you know, here, I want to meet with my attorney. Here's my will, last will and testament. They're part of a package. I mean, these kids, grandparents, the grand, the grandkids, Hunter's kids who are still growing up uh, and one he de- denies, I'm sure, not getting any money. So that's what they're pointing out. I don't think they walk away and say, and here's Joe Biden, the picture of him getting a check. But that's where Bob Alinsky, that's when Devin Archer, that's when Rob Walker, all these other people. How long are they going to keep quiet before they say 10 percent for the big guy is absolutely Joe Biden? Tony Bob said it. In fact, this would be a perfect time for him to walk back into the limelight and expand on what the Oversight Committee has done because they have subpoena power and it's just starting. I can't imagine this is a good day for the Biden family. I can't imagine this is a good day for the Democratic Party uh, at all. And for those people who want to dismiss it and the Washington Post, New York Times look past it, I don't know how long you do that. I don't know if it's even possible. They still want to talk about a civil trial with Donald Trump, who's not in office, rather than how a current president's intertwined with other countries, many of which are enemies of our country, like China. All right, when we come back, Joe DeVito joins us and Greg Olson. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I honored a group of trailblazing artists with National Medals of Arts and Humanities. The group included groundbreaking Asian Americans like Jerry Wang and 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 Joan Shingang. I'm going to pronounce right. Shanga Kawawa. I think I pronounced it correctly. She can call me Joe Biden. Wow. Joe Biden had one one event this week so far. He might have a couple more during the day. They don't let him pre-read stuff. Is he prevented from pre-reading it? I'm not sure. But every single time it seems to go awry, which was good news for Joe DeVito. As one of the lead <laughs> writers on the Greg Gutfeld show, he, he lives for moments like this. Yeah. Like, Joe, do you fear that Joe Biden won't be reelected on some level? Oh, to make I, your I, job so much harder? I'd say my fears of him being reelected are so much greater. Than, <laughs> yeah, it's – well, you could tell they didn't get the dosages right. Sometimes right. they dope him up correctly. And he's, and he's, able, he's like – sometimes he hops on the debate and you wonder where did this come from? State of the yeah. Union seems normal, right? He, he has his moments of lucidity. It's I, – I, it's one thing to say this about a grandparent, but to the president of the United States to be saying he has his good days and his bad days. That's good it, for us. It's not encouraging. Yeah, America can't have a bad day on purpose yeah. with bad policy. But you do notice – I actually notice this. It, it, even two years I see a decline. Absolutely, yeah. I, you imagine the stress of the job. Uh, you know, I think of my own father who just turned 80. We don't look at my dad and think, we got to get more stuff on his plate. <laughs> right. You, you want to pull back and, and, yeah, when you hear him – Again, they should have briefed him on those names. There's no one who can write them out phonetically for him. They figure he's just going to figure out how to get through it. Okay, a couple of things. I think you're right, technically. The other thing is, you got one event. Yeah. Just take a look. Take a look ahead of time. Yeah, well, It's an award. I mean, it's a, it's for an Asian award. Mm-hmm. Most likely, if, you go, if you're going to mess up the name, just say, well, you know, I had it when I went over it. I, yeah. I, when I saw it again, I'm messing it up. Whatever. There's a good chance that that ceremony, the award is is not going to be given to someone named Janet Smith. Right. You can just 
would have bluff his way through it. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's tough. But you know, you got to give him pre- the president credit. He puts in a solid forty-five minute work day. He gives you his best. About it. I mean, I've never seen. Do you ever try to put the lid on your day at two fifteen in the afternoon? <laughs> what would Greg say if you? Hey, uh, hey where's Joe? Oh, he uh, called the lid at two fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How does that go? With the, I, with I don't the think that would go over ah. too well. By the way, I've been wanting to say for a while, if people don't know, uh, where I sit writing for Greg's show, you have to walk past Every day. me. And so many times you walk by and it's, good morning, Brian. Good morning, Joe. And as I'm writing for Greg, Brian Kilmeade is illiterate. Brian, Kilme- Brian Kilmeade's and books are doorstops. All the insults we have for you on Why the show. Why is that, Joe? I don't know. Is there any guilt at all? Because, because there's nobody who writes more negative things than Greg. I, will, I always assume <laughs> that Greg's writing all of it. It's you. No, there's a team of people he has <laughs> insulting you. Uh, and does he just start with the headline? <laughs> Something negative about Brian? I think it's implied when we come in that we have a quota to make. Well, that's so interesting. I can't tell you, you know what? I'm not allowed to stay up that late because if I'm staying up watching the Gutfeld show and I'm up at 2.20, uh, it's not going to be a good morning show. No. Certainly not going to be a good radio show. So, so many times I will walk in and I go, wow, he killed you last night. I'm like, what's wrong with Greg? Like, are you guys okay? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost as if, and this doesn't happen to you, do you ever get so drunk you don't remember anything? When people come up to me, they just assume that I've seen some of your Yeah, so it's terrible like you've work. blacked out. Right. All you it's, did was go to bed uh, at a reasonable hour. That's what I thought was good. So a couple other things going on. This week, I've never seen anything like it. Much like we've never seen a president this ineffective, work this little, no press conference and get away with it. We've never also seen a president like Donald Trump do more things – that go against the grain, have more things go wrong, and he comes out stronger. I think the latest example is this deposition, which is now public. I mean, the guy's been indicted in New York. Yeah. Remember that, that circus that it was? And now you have this going on, uh, accused of rape, but it's civil. And then you have two more indictments coming. Do you think he'll be at 90% approval or 98% approval <laughs> by the end of this? Usually one yeah. of these accusations, mm. should they be real, would blow up anybody else. Have you figured out why he is impervious to this to a degree? You know, again, he's a singular person. There's no one like him in that. Part of it, too, is that a lot of the things they're bringing up to try and bring him down are absolute nonsense. I mean, and we've seen pretty quickly that if you're going to say, well, he didn't take care of these documents, and then you have the documents and Joe Biden doing an oil change using to sop up the you know yeah. the fluids from his Corvette, right. you're going to say, well, we have to go back to Trump. This required a raid where they were you know going through his wife's underwear drawer. None of those things are good enough, and to his credit – he he doesn't back down, even when sometimes he should just shut up. Right. But he's always putting them on well, their heels. You realize this is only a thing because she came out and accused him, and then he ripped back at her and defamed her, called her a liar. Yeah. So this is a defamation suit. Yeah. And to have a defamation suit, you have to prove it happened or didn't happen. Yeah. So that's sometimes it's, creating your own problems. Yeah. A- again, if – there, there were many times during his presidency where I wished if he would, if he had just not talked, if he had just let it sit. But that's not his way. Hey, Joe DeVito is uh, on May nineteenth. He's going to end Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Did you know that? Or are you so busy? You don't even know where you're going. Uh, I am often confused and disoriented. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be a great show. That's a very fun club in, in South Jersey. Right. Uh, in South people. Jersey, it, it's spring, summer, so it's going to be packed. Yeah. Levity Live over in West Nyack, New York, you know, on the 26th and 27th. Now, at that time, uh, when you go and go on stage, how do you judge 
when to do politics. Number one, it's got a shelf life. Yeah. Number two, they know who you are now. Joe DeVito yeah. from the Greg Guffell. Should they introduce you that way? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you go up there, you don't know if that audience all voted for Trump or voted against Trump. Like, do you, well, how do you handle that? It, it's pretty interesting, and I, I saw it again this past week, and I was at a uh, uh, working comedy club in Rhode Island, which is a blue state. But the fans had come out to see me, and what's so nice is I think when liberal fans go to see a liberal comic, they want to hear liberal politics. But when conservative fans come to see me, they just want to hear jokes. They want to break from the politics, and it's very nice really? because – Yeah, I don't like it when a comedian goes up and gives you a lecture. What do comedians know about anything? You're, you're in a comedy club to laugh and have but a good time. But what if it's time. like the monologue I see in a late night show? Do you do any of that type thing where you say, hey, you know, you saw what happened last night, the big uh, yeah. debate? You do? I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Bill Maher. I'm, I, don't, I don't do that kind of stuff. Smart guy, Joe. I'll talk about current events, but I'm not there to, to convert anybody or to tick off anybody in the audience. It's I, just I, not your speed. Yeah, just go up to – you're yeah. there to have a good time. And if you'll take off somebody, it'll be somebody on the Gutfeld staff. Yeah, that's what I saved that for. <laughs> right. There very, a lot of tension. Up I, there. If I want tension in the office, I'll bring it to the office, not to the stage. Exactly. That's Joe DeVito's mantra. And you're looking for a mantra, I can I recommend that one? Me, I don't care if we're right. I just want to make bad things stop. And I don't just mean kill meets haircuts. So what was that necessary? I, uh, I, yeah. That is Greg Gutfeld. Where was that, on the five or your show? I don't know. It's so hard. I can't keep track of them. I think this is a discussion you need to have a human resources. <laughs> You're recommending I turn it's you bullying. in? bullying. Right. But but he's going to say it's Joe DeVito behind <laughs> it. Joe DeVito is uh, one of the lead writers for the Gutfeld Show, the number one show in late night comedy. Joe's going to be on the 19th, a uh, couple of weeks now, Saturday and Sunday. He's going to be in Friday, Saturday. Com- Friday, Saturday. I don't go Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And uh, Levity Live in West Nyack, New York, the following weekend, 26th and 27th. That is, that's Memorial Day. Yes, yes, so we should get a good crowd. Well, that, be up for a good oh, time. that should be great. Um, first off, if you want Joe DeVito or any comedian to be quiet, uh, start their plug. You can hear a <laughs> pin drop. I, you will not interrupt me. Silence. <laughs> Come on, keep it down. Let her finish. My God, Kenny, yeah. let the host talk. But uh, in New York, it, it's gone crazy here. So yeah. we know that we have. For the longest time, I covered the border issue, and it was El Paso, and it was what's going on in Tucson. and But now it's what's going on in New York City. 122 uh, hotels have been converted. We have hangars at JFK with just cots and illegal immigrants. So Mayor Adams says, I have a great idea. Let's get some of them, put them in buses, and send them to Rockland and not tell them. And Orange County and not tell them. Yeah. So they're going, wait a second. We're not doing that. We're not taking them. How did it come to this, Joe? You're great at society and immigration. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, New York is still a pretty amazing city. You know, I always tell people sometimes I get on the subway and I start thinking, maybe I should pee too. (laughs) (laughs) Am I missing out? Yeah, it's it shows you what was happening behind the scenes that we weren't aware of. Right. You know, the, you heard about these midnight flights dropping people off at I think it was Westchester Airport, yeah. and they said, "Oh no, that's not happening." And and saying, "Well, there's people getting off a plane." Right. They seem to be confused as to why they're here. So yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation. But I think what's important is that the people who said, "Oh, we're a sanctuary city," but make them put their money where their mouth Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Because it's very easy to say that until you have to sacrifice. And what, what what happened with these towns on the border? Like they're getting overwhelmed. Their hospitals can't take in this many people. And they're mad that they put up on buses and send to New York. Really? Yeah. Why, why do I have to deal with this? They're small town America. And I love this. Orange County says, well, we're not, Rockland goes, we're not sanctuary. You're sanctuary. Yeah. So you can't have it both ways. And now Mayor Adams, by the way, best tailor ever of any mayor. Look sharp. Am I correct? Y- yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, he is a, 
this guy can dress fantastic, and he works out all the time, and he works a lot, mm. unlike de Blasio. De Blasio was getting some some poor duds from the big and tall Lurch store. Ha, he was, he was. Not a, it was not a fashion plate, that's for sure. So, Joe, we're going to see you at these two locations, but if uh, if they forget, can they go to JoeDeVito.com? They can, I always have my schedule updated. They can message me through that, and at Joe DeVito Comedy on social media. And if you like Gutfeld Show, you really should credit Joe DeVito. Well, that's very nice of you to say. Thank you. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Let's put this in context. Yes, he was on the train. I ride the train. I've been riding the train in New York City since I was 12 years old. This is what he was doing. He was shouting that he was hungry, that he was thirsty, and he had little to live for. Hungry, thirsty, and little to live for. And that totally... Where was the humanity of anyone that was on that train? I would have given him money. I would have tried to give him food. I would have tried to help. This is someone in need, in desperate need. And I am ashamed that someone that was part of our armed forces decided to become a vigilante and kill him. That is Sonny Houston, uh, that ridiculous show, The View. And she's a lawyer. And by the way, she wasn't there. Number two, everybody thought this guy was a threat. Then you look at his background, you find out he's punched three different women, one in Greenwich Village, still gives her brain injuries. She's attacked people on the subway, tried to kidnap a seven-year-old child, and this person was cheered after they put him in a chokehold, a suppression hold, to wrap him up, not punch him out or shoot him, Bernie Getz style. So all these people that act like this guy was no threat weren't there. And then when you say you overreacted, he's a Michael Jackson impersonator. You go up to some of these women and some of these victims and you say, oh, this guy is not a threat. This guy's a threat. He walked out of a mental institution on his own despite the objections of the people in that center and went out. His family knew he was out of control. Who knows what drugs or alcohol this guy was on? And now you're going to sit there in an air-conditioned studio and say everybody overreacted. And this guy should be alive or be like what Kathy Hochul said and say that you should be allowed to ride a subway without being killed. All these people have lost any credibility possible. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. I want you to hear uh, something I talked to a little bit earlier today. I had a chance to talk to the lead analyst on Fox Sports, Greg Olson. He is uh, he's up for an Emmy. He also has a very special announcement uh, that you'll only get if you listen to Fox and me. Fox Sports analyst, the lead NFL analyst, the number one team with Kevin Burkhardt. Uh, here is Greg Olson. Greg, congratulations on a great Super Bowl. That's the last time we heard from you. But you have something to look forward to now on Christmas Day even more. What do you want to tell our viewers? Yeah, so we're, I mean, obviously we're fired up. We had an unbelievable year last year. And now on Christmas Day, we have a rematch of last year's NFC divisional round game. Uh, we have the New York Giants going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we saw them play. I know the game wasn't great if you were a Giants fan. But, I mean, just think last year, last time we saw Philly, came right down to the end, lost in the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts, going to be another MVP caliber season for him. And then Daniel Jones is back with New York. They were kind of the surprise team of the NFL last year. So these two big mm-hmm. NFC East teams going head-to-head on, on what's become an NFL day on Christmas Day is uh, I know me and my team are pretty fired up about it. Yes, the city that boosts Santa on Thanksgiving gets a Christmas Day game where they host. We'll see if the Giants will win that one. That's what I'm hoping for. Other news over the year, what's going to be new about this year as the schedule gets to be released. There's going to be five European games, and for the first time, 
One team will play back-to-back in London, and it's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's going to be so interesting, October 1st and October 8th. Talk about the significance. Yeah, I think, you know, again, I think as the NFL continues to look and see, you know, what is abroad, you know, what is as the as the game tries to expand maybe a little more globally, um, I think this is the next logical step. Let's see what it looks like to have one team kind of have back-to-back weekends and kind of bookend an entire NFL week experience overseas. I, I remember my last year in Carolina in 2019, we had the opportunity to go play over in Tottenham. Uh, Hotspur Stadium, and and I would say of all the games that I've played, it was one of the most unique experiences. The fan base is incredible. They're in their seat well before the anthem is played. They're not necessarily even cheering for any particular team. They're just excited to have NFL football in in London. It was a really unique and really cool experience. It it was something that I always said I would sign up to go back there every year as a player. It, It was that, it was that unique and that and that enjoyable. Yeah, it's so interesting because the, you had the European League for a while. Great way to develop some really good players like Kurt Warner and a great way to dr- develop broadcasters, too. And they began to embrace him. They decided it wasn't worth it, but now you have the USFL. Uh, also, Germany's got a couple of games, so uh, they'll show up, and a lot of Americans use that opportunity to make a trip. Some things happen over the year, uh, over the offseason. I think the biggest news is Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets and how many Packers he brought with them. The Jets feel they're ready. They're probably going to get about five or six primetime games. Greg, I know you do a lot of NFC, but do you think the the Jets, is this the missing piece? Yeah, I'll tell you, I think New York, the New York, New Jersey area, I don't think they've been fired up for an NFL season between both teams, uh, both the Giants, and obviously we know what they were able to do last year, making the surprise playoff run and getting a playoff win. And now, of course, the offseason story, as you said, Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay after all these years and now ending up in New York with the Giant, with the Jets. It's pretty... Uh, it's a pretty good fall coming up for, for Jets and Giants fans. And uh, someone who grew up right. right outside of Manhattan in North Jersey, I can tell. They, they love their football. And I, I just hope, Fox, I hope we get some of those uh, those Jets games. I think that'll be it'll be a blast. We've covered Aaron hmm. for a long time now, obviously, when he was with Green Bay. And he's, he's right. one of our favorites to follow. So hopefully we get a couple of those Jets games. But I think New York and New Jersey uh, fans this year in the NFL are going to have a pretty good season. Fireman Ed just hit the side of his TV and said, did, did the number one analyst just say, I hope I get some Jet games this year? Uh, yeah. no, no offense, it's just true. You also were part of the broadcast team that had the highest Super Bowl uh, ratings ever if you had streaming and all other platforms. That's pretty cool. You're a competitive guy. Yeah, that was pretty good news. Um, they, they, they informed us of the, of the revote uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, Eric Shanks and Brad Zager, they kind of called us and, and let us know that the news was going to come out. And we thought we had a shot. I mean, that was such an epic game, you know, obviously with Mahomes, you know, the MVP going against Jalen Hurts, the MVP runner-up, two clearly the two best teams of the entire season coming right down to the final possession. We were just happy that we had the opportunity to call the game and to be in the booth for what was a really epic final. And um, we had a great year last year. We had some unbelievable ratings, some unbelievable games, and we're looking forward to doing it all again this year. And for, Greg, for what's uh, going to be an exciting season. Also, congratulations on being nominated for outstanding uh, sports personality. Uh, Greg Olson, hope to see you in studio soon. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Always nice to be on. Thanks. So that was Greg Olson. I'll tell you, it is going to be an exciting football season. Football has always been the number one sport since I uh, was a sports fan since the 70s, 80s, 90s. But I've never seen anything like this. And the fact is, it's become a global game. For the longest time, the global game belonged to the NBA and sports soccer. USLS jump on the train. But now, when you're going to go play in Germany and England and keep a team in England for two weeks and play in two separate stadiums, especially WOKV fans know, the Jaguars, 
the league is emerging even bigger. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. The great Andy McCarthy, uh, not the great actor, but the really smart lawyer, Fox News contributor, fo- uh, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, best-selling author. And then Martha McCallum comes in. So we'll have a big hour. There's so much going on with 24 hours uh, from the border busting. We'll also have uh, 2024 heating up. Ron DeSantis, it looks like he's going to be declaring pretty rapidly that he is in. Chris Christie told us earlier that he's going to make the decision within two weeks. Tim Scott, probably the same time frame. And we know Chris Nunes says if you're not in by June, you're not going to get in. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I didn't find progress in this meeting. Staff will continue to meet and we'll get back together on Friday. And hopefully the president then can change the path for the last 97 days. Deal not done. Our nation's most powerful politicians gathered at the White House to avoid default on debt. An agreement not close and spin hasn't stopped. We're paying the price for it as a country. Number two. Fundamental question is, what did they do? Why did Joe Biden's brother? Why did Joe Biden's sister-in-law? Why did Joe Biden's son? Why did so many family members get the money? What did they do to warrant receipt of that money? That's the fundamental question. Yep, Hunter's hijinks. Finally, House Republicans reveal how Hunter's dealing benefited the Biden family. And I believe hurt American foreign policy. Led by James Comer, we will bring you the highlights of a press conference that lasted almost an hour. Number one. We're doing all we can. Uh, we've gotten overwhelming cooperation from Mexico. So, but it remains to be seen. It's going to be chaotic for a while. President Biden weighing in, chaotic for a while. I want to just throw up. That's what President Biden says would be, should be ready for. Chaos at the border. Has he been watching at the border? How about cataclysmic? Is Title 42 about to evaporate and already towns are being overrun? Not just border towns, cities like the one I'm in. Over 10,300 came in yesterday. Who are they? Why are they letting them in? This administration is letting us down, their party down, politicians down, you down. Andy McCarthy, you were able to offer some instant preview and review of the press conference a short time ago by James Comer. What's your takeaway? Brian, I think the bottom line is when people exchange millions of dollars, you expect to see some value if it's legitimate business. You know, whether it's a, you know, you're in real estate, you're in, uh, you know, some, some kind of other endeavor that produces value, you're able to show the commodity or the asset that was created uh, by the transaction. Here, there's no value. There's no transaction. There's plenty of transactions, but there's no asset. Uh, the only thing that uh, comes close to having being something that would have value is something that has corrupt value, which is Joe Biden's political influence. They haven't been able to show that this was legitimate business uh, by showing what it was that was exchanged for all this money. And that's the rational explanation, I think, for why they use this plethora of corporate entities, LLCs, and different banking channels to sluice this money through and cut like one transaction into a bunch of transactions to make it look smaller than it is, which is the common thing that you see in a money laundering operation. 
So just so you know, just to give you an idea of the format, Comer came out first, set the table, then Kelly Armstrong, Andy Biggs, Byron Donalds, Jim Jordan, and Nancy Mace. Not in that order. They didn't just come right. out and say, this Joe Biden is a bad guy. They came out and said, this is the deal we're looking at. This is the money that was exchanged. The kids, the grandkids were benefiting. They can't possibly have played a role in the transaction. What were they getting in exchange when a CEFC energy company is getting a lithium mine in the Congo and helping the Belt and Road Program thrive, which was created to battle America's dominance globally, economically, I think that's a little bit of an issue when you have a deal with the Romanian leader as a Hunter Biden, or along with his company, Rosemont Seneca, and the other many C501c3s uh, that they started, and they're trading on what? What are they getting in exchange? Access to the vice president, the former chairman of foreign relations? Are, is that access enough? And then what is, besides the access, what's the execution? Do we get those answers? Well, I think the committee is still pursuing the answers. I'd say a couple of things about that, uh, Brian. You know, first of all, whether crimes got committed or not here, uh, it's a much bigger national security issue than a criminal law issue. You know, the fact that that uh, foreign regimes like China, many of them corrupt, many of them hostile to the United States, thought it was in their interest to pay Joe Biden millions of dollars through his family members uh, is reason enough uh, to be very concerned about the formulation of American policy, regardless of whether it happens to, you know, be a couple of violations of the federal penal code. Um, Secondly, I I really don't understand why, I guess I politically understand the White House's uh, response here, which was to say that they haven't been able to show that any of the money went to, to Biden directly, which is preposterous. I mean, why else are they paying his family members? Um, but the other thing is they they continue to talk about, like, when Bi- Biden was vice president uh, and when the, this money came in. The committee did a pretty good point, a good job, I thought, today of rebutting this idea that none of the money was exchanged, uh, as Biden had insisted, or the Biden people had insisted, that none of the money had exchanged while Biden uh, was in office as vice president. They showed that a lot of these transactions were during that period of time. But I would simply point out to people that when he was not vice president anymore, he was coordinating his presidential campaign for 2020. So when this money post-vice presidency came in, they were trying to buy the influence of the guy who was going to be the top official in the United States. So, so Paul, I don't see how it's a defense to them to say that, like, you know, he wasn't vice president anymore. Don't tell me you have a problem with Paul Manafort. You don't have a problem with Joe, uh, Joe Biden. Like Paul Manafort's over there saying he used to work in Eastern Europe, said, guys, Trump likes me. I think he could win. I'm going to go work for him. Keep an eye on this. I have even more influence than you thought. And they go, well, wait a second. Paul Manafort's giving away the farm. Let's put him in solitary confinement. Really? So here is yeah. here's James Comer. Uh, talking about the subpoenas in the LLCs, 39. The committee has reviewed thousands of bank records from individuals and companies affiliated with the Bidens and their associates. It has received these bank records pursuant to four subpoenas I've issued to different banks. These were targeted and specific subpoenas, and each was different based on the information we believe the banks possessed. Every one of those subpoenas returned valuable information that had been unreported and that contributed to this committee's understanding of how the Bidens conducted their businesses. The committee is concerned by the complicated, suspicious network of over 20 companies 
We have identified the Bidens and their associates used to enrich themselves. Most of these companies were limited liability companies formed during Joe Biden's vice presidency. The bank records show the Biden family, their associates, and their companies received over $10 million from foreign nationals and their companies. Some of that money came from a Chinese company and went to Hunter Biden's company. Other transfers occurred with the help of Rob Walker, who then sent it on to different Biden family members. This is not how lawful businesses operate. Chinese nationals affiliated with the Bidens created limited liability companies in the United States and then in a short period of time transferred their interest to a Chinese company that sent money to the Bidens. This is not normal. Hunter Biden and his associates courted business in countries that correlated directly with Joe Biden's work as vice president. Your thoughts about that and what people might, some people were hearing that for the first time, Andy, not us, but your thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, it's interesting, Brian, that in teeing that up, you mentioned Paul Manafort. I would just point out that, you know, number one, uh, in that investigation, a, a special counsel was assigned because there was a, a conflict of interest in, you know, the Biden, in the Trump Justice Department conducting an investigation that touched on the Trump campaign. Here we have the Biden Justice Department investigating the Biden administration. They won't appoint a special counsel, even though there's a flaming, obvious, neon blinking conflict of interest. But I would just point out that in the Manafort case, you know, with money laundering, when you change the form of money that, that uh, you know, revenue streams that have come in, to, for prosecutors to prove money laundering, what you have to show is that the, the money was criminal proceeds in the first place. So that then when you start to shift it into different accounts or change the form of the asset, uh, you know, buy things with it, switch it around like that, uh, then you can say that those are money laundering transactions. And the reason that's important is the, the criminal penalties for money laundering are very severe. Um, what, the, what Mueller's investigation did was say that because Manafort failed to register as a foreign agent for business that he was doing overseas – all that income that he got was illegal proceeds so that when he moved the money from account to account or business to business, uh, each of those transactions, they allege, was a money laundering transaction. I, I, I thought that was an interesting theory at the, at the time, uh, but if that's the Justice Department's position, I don't see how they can take a different tack with respect to this, which, by the way, involves a significant amount of money compared to what uh, what Manafort was dealing with. And by the way, if, if Donald Trump buys a golf course, we know it's in Scotland. If he bought a, a hotel in Turkey, uh, it's in Turkey. Go look at it. Right. But but now we go, what did you do? Why are we have to dis- why do you have to subpoena back records? Why don't you just tell me what your family's up to? You, you're running for president. You are president. You're running again. Tell me what this stuff is and define it. So, you know, if you're the CEO of BlackRock, wow, you got all these international connections. Yeah, that's what I did. Let me explain to you what I know and what I'm going to divest myself from. And then you decide if you want to vote for me. But don't deny everything and, and, yeah, well, and, and then did become president and then to hope they don't find out. Yeah, well, they don't want to say what it is because it's obvious what they're buying is influence and access. So, you know, now the White House is down to the point of saying – uh, well, show us one policy that we that we changed uh, on account of this money. And everybody who's like got an IQ over 11 understands that that's not how this works. You know, you pay the guy who you think is going to become president of the United States in a year or two, and you figure he'll be there to be helpful 
when you need them. And that's the way influence peddling works. That's the way access mm -hmm. works. And that's why a government like China was willing to pay millions and millions of dollars. We're not talking about chunk change here. I mean, even before the committee did its press conference today, which I thought was a very good presentation, we already knew that just between 2017 and 2018 alone, the CEFC outfit, which was simply a Chinese intelligence operation, that's all it was, um, they paid the Biden $6 million. And 1 million of that was to retain Hunter Biden to represent as a lawyer, Patrick Ho, who he described as the spy chief of China and who the Justice Department later prosecuted and disclosed that he, they were subjecting uh, that guy and no doubt CEFC to FISA surveillance, to national security surveillance. We don't even know if the intelligence community actually intercepted Hunter Biden's or other Biden family members' communications while they were investigating this clandestine agent of China. And look, we're going to break this down, and, and you're going to do it all day, but I'm going to conclude with this. They were worried that the Russians, or the Soviet, were they the Russians? And yeah, the Russians had word about Monica Lewinsky and the affair with Clinton, and they might be able to extort them. Hey, we, we got this. We're going to destroy your political career. That's one of the reasons why it's a problem if you're doing things like that. So if China wants to make knows even more than James Comer about how deep Joe Biden is in China, how could that not affect foreign policy? Why shouldn't the American people know? Am I right on that line, Andy? Brian, this is the reason why everyone who tries to get a job in the executive branch who has to have access to national security information, to classified information, has to fill out a book-length form where you have to lay out every foreign connection you have, every foreign connection your close family members have, every transaction you've ever done that involves foreign revenue, any association that's a foreign association that you have a tie to or your family members do. That's the reason for it, because the experience of the intelligence community is that's how people get corrupted and national security gets threatened. Andy McCarthy, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right, just the beginning. Uh, 1 866 I'm watching other channels. They're not carrying it. Uh, I understand uh, HHS Secretary Mayorkas is speaking now about his failed Title 42 policy. Goes away in 24 hours. He's trying to tell everyone it's going to be fine. It's not. Martha McCallum next. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Let me be clear. The lifting of the Title 42 public health order does not mean our border is open. In fact, it is the contrary. Our use of our immigration enforcement authorities under Title 8 of the United States Code means tougher consequences for people who cross the border illegally. Unlike under Title 42, an individual who is removed under Title 8 is subject to at least a five-year bar on re-entry into the United States and can face criminal prosecution if they attempt to cross again. That's just HHS Secretary trying to say everything's under control as within 24 hours, Title 42 disappears. We've already have 10,000-plus entering our country illegally, being apprehended, let alone the gotaways. Uh, it is 82,000 over the last 10 days. With us right now is Martha McCallum. If you're watching Fox Nation, you see it. Martha, you watched the Comer uh, press conference. We played some cuts. We're watching this press conference right now. Do you think that he is actually serious when he says 
the borders closed? You know, I, no. Um, I it, it amazes me that he hasn't found a different way to say that at this point. What he should be saying is that technically the border is closed. Obviously, it's extremely porous. We all see people flooding across it every single day. When you look at the images, um, I was looking at a lot of them last night, of people sleeping in the streets of El Paso, right? When you look at Chris Olivero, who's going to be um, of the Border Patrol, who's going to be on my show later this afternoon, going through the brush on the way down to the Rio Grande where there's just a flood of discarded debris, clothing, shoes, everything that come out. The border is open is the message that the Department of Homeland Security has to be clear on with the American people. And what they're doing right now, which is fascinating, and, and we were looking at this, the answer to this question, they've put razor wire, right? Texas authorities put razor wire across the areas where people are work. climbing up. Yeah. Or they didn't. They don't have one. Right. Um, I'm being sarcastic. All, no, I know. Yeah. Um, so there there are images that we have now, Bill Malusian and the drone um, capturing these images of migrants going up a hill out of the Rio Grande. Then they're met by razor wire and a wall of Border Patrol. So what I'm told is happening then is that the people are turning back down. They're trying to direct them towards the ports of entry. Now, when they get to the port of entry, Majorca says that is closed. Um, and this is the stopgap that they're trying to put in. It's very interesting to see the sort of emergency measures that they're allowing now that they could have easily put in place a long time ago to quell this problem. But it is an absolute crisis. The president has a lot on his hands today, so it's no surprise that he's spending the day traveling to upstate New York to uh, Mike Lawler's district so that he can put pressure on him if he goes along with the debt ceiling plan. He wants to come out and say ridiculous things that the Republicans want to defund the police and the Border Patrol and take Medicare away. He'll say that from Westchester County, go to the city, raise some money. And that's just as important to bring up as when he was talking about airlines being forced to redone, refund fees. Mm-hmm. These are issues, but not handling the big issues of the country. And yesterday he didn't get any direct questions. We're going to follow, find out what Mayorkas said, go over what Comer just said and proposed. And Wanda won't find out, does anything change? outside Fox of people that are going to ask questions about the entanglements of Joe Biden and his family. Radio that makes you think this is the Brian Kilmeade show. Martha McCallum here. Martha, it's one of those busy days where you just ride the news. I mean, literally uh, at nine o'clock, James Comer first previewed at 730 in the morning. Then he has his press conference with the oversight committee. And then we just watched the culmination, the end of Mayorka saying 24 hours, Title 42 goes away. Here's how we handle it. I'll take a few questions. And now we're watching those two things, uh, along with the ramifications of both press conferences, uh, where we stand. And the other big picture in the in the backdrop is is 2024. You have Donald Trump yesterday not convicted of rape, but in civil court convicted of, uh, I guess, battery, we, sexual yeah. assault, uh, defamation. Yeah. So he's convicted of that. And how does that affect the whole 24 race? Drew Chris Christie just told me he's going to be in within two weeks or out. Uh, Tim Scott, same thing. We know that. And then Ron DeSantis, no exploratory committee, go right in. So I guess the first thing you watch the whole Comer. Presser. What was the most 
And what was the most interesting thing to emerge from that for you? Because we've been following it so close. Well, I think one of the biggest points that they made is that this scenario that they are laying out based on these specific, uh, these suspicious activity reports and 16 companies that were all up and running during Vice President Biden's term as Run vice by president. Rob Walker and absolutely. So you've got um, James Gillier, Rob Walker, and Hunter basically running sixteen companies, three guys running sixteen companies that are under a myriad of different names. The money comes in. They've basically focused on China and Romania, both countries that fell under the purview of Vice President Biden at that time. The money flows into the United States through all of these different bank ent- entities. And then it gets siphoned off through the personal account of Rob Walker, and then a third of it goes to the Biden family. <laughs> I mean, ten percent going to the big guy. Yeah, I love Byron Donalds. He was like, "They don't have a business. These businesses, they're not exporters. They're not. What are they doing? He's they a don't banking guy ha- too. Yeah, he, he's like, I spent a lot of time in banking, and he said these. There's no business that they are running. Here And he said, I've never seen a more complex scenario to move money around in order to evade either the IRS or detection um, based on political influence. So it is they I thought they laid it out very well. They have further to go in order to draw the link between this and policy impact under the vice president. So that's where they need to get this to 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 have the home run. So I look at Devin Archer, which has some odd link to Donald Trump as a 17 year old helping entertain Marlon Maple, Marlon Maples, when the press was zeroing in and he played tennis. We played tennis around that Devin Archer. Then Devin Archer goes to college and gets friendly with the stepson of John Kerry and he meets Hunter. And now he feels and if I'm to take what Miranda Devine wrote, I'm not the Devin Archer biographer. He feel, he sounds like Tony Bobolinsky. I thought I had a business. It ends up being fraud. I'm carrying the bag. They're fine. I'm days away from going to jail. Bobolinsky said, really? I'm getting screwed. I'm out of here, and I'm talking about it. So I think that Devin Archer could talk. Rob Walker could talk. Tony Bobolinsky, maybe now people will listen. I want you to hear what Jim Jordan kind of did a wrap-up. Cut 43. Fundamental question is, what did they do? To warrant the receipt of millions and millions of dollars. Why did, why did Joe Biden's brother, why did Joe Biden's sister-in-law, why did Joe Biden's son, why did so many family members get the money? What did they do to, re- to warrant receipt of that money? That's the fundamental question. Chairman Comer and the team have done great work, and they're determined to get answers to those fundamental questions. Do you think you can still, from the White House, say Comer's all talk? That's basically what Ian Sam said. Well, I, I think what you're going to hear them say today, or they're not doing an, conveniently not speaking today, there'll be a conference tomorrow, um, is that, you know, if the DOJ, the DOJ has looked at this, and if the DOJ wants to take it further, obviously we're going to keep an arm's length from that part of the investigation. Um, but I thought that they did a good job today of, of calling out the press and saying, look, if you, Byron Donald said, you know, uh, this is like a Pulitzer Prize waiting for you in your hand if you dig in on this story. He said, there is so much here. If you wave this story off to the media, um, you know, you, you're basically, uh, you're just turning your back on your entire profession. Uh, the DOJ, Nancy May said, get off your ass to the DOJ um, based on all of this. What about when you have 175 suspicious activity reports that have been filed by banks? How is there not serious follow up on those when the banks are saying, we're, we're, well, wasn't it, was we're that a little Donald curious Trump's about what's going on here? Department of Justice? Yes. Well, originally, yes. Yeah. 
So, I mean, these things were lying around and not being pursued in a way that the banks should have also been red flagging in a much more serious way to the DOJ. So it raised a lot of questions. It raised a lot of questions of about reason- why every – and think back to the 2020 election, right? I mean, sitting on this story and just laughing it off and saying it's nothing. You know, Matt Taibbi said something what Byron Donalds just said. Matt Taibbi gets brought in. and He's not a left-wing journalist. Everybody knows that. He's a legitimate – I think he told me he comes from a liberal family. If anything, he says, I lean left. I'm working for the Rolling Stone for years. What does that say about me? So Elon Musk says, you're fair. Come on, take a look at this. And he says, this is a career moment for me. This is any journalist. I couldn't believe how lucky I was. And then to find out that 50% or 70% of the press ignores it. And then get he gets tried, they try to humiliate him, send the IRS to his house in his congressional testimony is is insane. Tony Bobulinski holds a press conference to say, listen, I've been doing deals with the president, vice president. I've been doing deals with his son and nobody cared. Nobody carried it. It's crazy. It is unbelievable. Do you remember the day when Tony Bobulinski said, I'm going to turn my laptop and my phone. And he did this press conference in a hotel, I think, in the basement in a room. He said, this laptop and this phone has everything on it. All of my communications with the Biden team. And I'm giving this to the FBI. And, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it looks like it went and sat on a shelf at the FBI and gathered dust. And he he comes up, you know, a year later, what's going on? How come you guys haven't called me in to talk to me about this? I mean. Ron Johnson did. It's it's uh, Yeah, but no, I'm saying at, at the Department of Justice, at the FBI. They just let it sit there and didn't bring him in and, and grill him on what he knew and ask him to point them in the right direction on these documents and what they mean it really is. It, it, it's appalling. I mean, I, I just can't imagine how all of the this is why people don't have any trust in institutions. Right. There's they don't no, trust the media. no consequences. They don't trust the FBI because they look at this and they say, how is he getting away with this? People always ask me, you know, how are those senators? How do so many of them have so much money? Right. right. They make two hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. So how come they all have beach houses and how come they all have, you know, country places? And, you know, these are. This is like regular folks going, that doesn't make sense, does it? And they no, don't it ha- doesn't. And they're not forced the Bi- to deal with Obama. Joe Biden has never worked in an industry a day in his entire life, right? He has three homes. He has the Corvette. He has all of this stuff. So where did it all come from? What were they getting paid for? Uh, Martha McCallum here. Uh, Martha, good point. And before we let it go, uh, here's more, just a little bit about Biden's. And I think this is the biggest thing about China. Cut 40. Instead of being with, honest with the American people, President Biden has claimed since the 2020 election that his family has not received money from China. That was a lie in 2020, and he continues to lie to the American people now. The Bidens have received millions of dollars from China. It is inconceivable that the president did not know it. The White House refuses to correct the president's statements showing the president is now using the federal government to run interference for his families and his own role in these schemes. How can you sit down with the president and not at least bring this up? Remember what, uh, what Stephanie Rule said? I know you're not involved with Hunter, but your, Hunter, your son's in some trouble, if I can paraphrase. My son is great. He's honest. He's perfect. I'm so proud of him. Yeah. You can be proud of him and say, listen, the follow-up has to be, well, Ms. President, he was – 
there's pictures of him with prostitutes. He got a woman pregnant. He didn't even acknowledge the relationship. Now he's forced to pay paternity and he's suing for less. You can't be proud of that scenario. Years of crack use, drug use, he was kicked out of the military. You can love your son, but you can't be proud of this behavior. I mean, I think I don't think that's out of bounds at all. But just to go, well, you know, he's had a lot of tragedy in his life. It's nothing to do with that. This is not this is not stand up behavior. This is not the way a president acts. And here's my biggest fear is you could deal with what you want to deal with, but don't let it affect foreign policy. How could it not affect foreign policy? Well, well that's exactly the problem. And as, as Jim Comer said this morning, and he, as I said, he still has to prove this link between a policy that was changed or averted as a quid pro quo for the money that, that came in. But the problem is, you know, there are plenty of us who have people in our families who've gone through difficult times or drug addiction or any of the things that you just named. The problem is when you put that same individual, when you're vice president of the United States, you put that same individual on a plane because he's clearly compromised because of his personal behavior. As you say, he was kicked out of the Navy for drug use. And then you put him in meetings with high-ranking officials in the Chinese government who work in energy companies, right? And the, the mission of that Chinese energy company is to build the Communist Party and government of China. That's why they exist. That's why they exist, exactly, to build all of these relationships to countries around the world so that they can dominate us. That's their goal. That is the goal. So this is a, that, that's a huge problem. And, you know, the, the Obama administration was concerned about it. And they looked when the other way. When it came to Ukraine. They said, oh, we're not so comfortable with Hunter flying on these planes and talking to these people from Ukraine and Romania and China. But they looked the other way because they said Joe's grieving and uh, we're going to let it go. It was a mistake. It was a huge mistake. And I, I this is how – and I say this all the time. My hope is that President Obama watched this press conference and is outraged. That's my naive hope, that he had no idea this was going on. Now, Tom, President Trump has become a uh, – Obama's become a billionaire, but we know exactly where he made his money, Netflix, speeches. I mean, books, no, million-dollar book deals, yeah. absolutely. So, yes, okay. The people were upset. I remember it when, Donald, when President Reagan went over to Japan and made a speech, and they got paid a lot of money after yeah. he was there. I know exactly what Donald Trump built. He built hotels in Turkey. Oh, wow. Why would you do that? Saudi Arabia has got business deals. He's, that's what he does. Oh, well, you better stop when you're president. Okay, he did. He did because right. Donald Jr. said, I lost so much money because of our international business connection. It had to go dormant. Golf course in Scotland. Golf courses in Florida. So this is – he has to be asked about this real quick. Um, you know what? Let's take a time out and come back again because I want to discuss what Mayorkas just discussed on the border and I want to get your take on what this latest verdict does for Donald Trump. He has now had 26 accusations from 26 women uh, for uh, unwanted advances, let's say. Now we know he's been impeached twice. He's been indicted once. Is that going to do anything but build up his ratings? Is this a bridge too far? Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Joe Biden's son, Joe Biden's brother, Joe Biden's brother's wife, Hunter Biden's girlfriend or Bo Biden's widow, however you wanted to write that, Hunter Biden's ex-wife, Hunter Biden's current wife, and three children of... The president's son and the president's brother. So we're talking about grandchild, a grandchild, 
That's odd. Most people that work hard every day's grandchild doesn't get a wire from a foreign national or anything like that. So. James Comer taking know, some right? questions. At least people showed up at the press conference, Martha McCallum. Yeah. Before we go further, do you, do you have your guests coming up at three? So we're going to talk to Chris, Chris Olivero uh, down at the border, and we're going to talk to Mike Pompeo about the new revelations around the potential that the not just former officials in our intelligence agencies signed the letter, the 51 uh, former intelligence officials, but that current members of the CIA were helping to organize it um, to to make sure that Biden won. It's, it's really a striking story among many today, and we're going to be watching the border as this Title 42 is about to be lifted, Bill Malusian will join us at the top of the hour with his latest drone video. The things that he submitted this morning are extraordinary, just lines of people going up, running you know, into razor wire where they're met by a whole wall, essentially, of border officials. So, you know, I think the White House is changing its tune uh, over the next few days. They've been dropping leaflets, telling people they've got to show up for court appearances, and it feels like way too little and way too late. Okay, uh, I know the 51 thing that, that Mike Morrell said, we have to hurry up oh, because yeah. we have to get the talking point. Because Mike we, Morrell is we want to help him win. Help uh, Joe help Biden win. Biden win. Right, and what else were they doing? This is stuff that we know about to get 51 people to say it's Russian disinformation and I've said this to you before, but just keep in mind, the current president of the United States looked into the camera and said 51 intel experts said this laptop is classic Russian disinformation, knowing damn well it was his son's. Yes. If he's that comfortable lying, what else is he lying about and that angry when he says it? So yesterday, the president of the United States, the former president of the United States, uh, was found guilty to a degree in civil court, uh, liable of sexual abuse and defamation against Jean Carroll, Award. She gets awarded $5 million. It's going to be appealed, so no check will be written yet. Uh, the verdict was his defeat and the latest legal setback for President Trump. Do you believe that this will hit harder than the Alvin Bragg indictment? Unlikely for the 40-ish percent Trump voter who is very supportive and who believes that he has been getting hit ever since he came down that balcony, came down that escalator, and that that will um, that that will never stop. And there's a huge part of the voting population that believes that 100 percent. I think the areas that he has to be concerned are with are the evangelical voters who, you know, peel have peeled away and are looking for another alternative. I think that you have to look at suburban women voters, whether or not this impacts them. But, the you know, I talked to Ronna McDaniel about this while the news was breaking yesterday. She said, I think they still care more about the economy and crime and the border. And she may be right. Here's Mike Pence after this verdict came down. Cut 30. I have no knowledge of those matters. And um, uh, I'm sure the president uh, will defend himself in that matter. And um, But it, it strikes me that we it's uh, it's just one more instance where um, um, at a time when American families are struggling, when our economy is hurting, when the world seems to become a more dangerous place uh, almost every day, that um, it's, uh, it's just one more story uh, focusing on my former running mate. It is. And every time they go to sit down to talk, it's always about Donald Trump. So DeSantis is probably going to get in within two weeks. Some say he's waited too long. What do you think, Martha? I think he has another shot at gaining traction. I really do. And I'm sure that he looks at this moment and says, you know, this is my end. The difficult thing for him is to figure out how to talk about it. And I think that if he, you know, focuses on issues of 
you know, a, a less chaotic environment that focuses on what's actually happening in the world because there's a lot happening in the world and issues of character, he may be able to um, to build a lead in this situation. Is is it is it a Chinese water torture situation with President Trump? It could be, and you, you know, he has to look. I think you hear all of these potential candidates talking about the evangelical vote as a place where they think that they can build a lane for themselves in Georgia, in Arizona, in New Hampshire, in Iowa. So um, we'll see. I, it, this is, there's a lot just still to play out here. When I saw Trump with a seven-point lead and DeSantis with basically the same lead, I thought to myself, right. I've never seen that before. That's right. I, I, maybe one point, Trump. It also tells about- you how weak the current president is, right? So people are looking for an alternative, even if they are people who might have said they would never vote for President Trump again. Now they're considering it because they're scared about what's going on. I, I think Sununu gets in, Pence gets in, uh, Tim Scott gets in, and obviously Ron DeSantis gets in. And now I believe after today, I interviewed Chris Christie, I think he's getting in within two weeks. And I would keep a close eye on Glenn Youngkin, whose who's wow. timeline is further out, but is is potential. He, quality. Quality human being, too, uh, with a great resume. Going to watch you at three. Is that okay? Please do. All right. Thanks so much, Thank Martha McCallum. Keep it here, Brian Kilmeade Show. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.